This is Sable from Orange County, California. I would rather walk on broken glass that had been sharded out of a rampaging hippopotamus than listen to I Doubt It with Dalimore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalimore. All right, welcome to this delayed 268th episode of I Doubt It with Dalimore. I am your host, Jesse Dalimore, sitting across from me. The lovely, the talented, the scholarly, the not quite in as bad as mood as I was last night, Brittany Page. Boy, were you pissed off. I just had a bad day. Yeah. I didn't do a goddamn thing mm-hmm. all day. Mm-hmm. I sat on the couch and I watched TV. Mm-hmm. I watched uh, the Tillerson. I, I've been watching the, the Sessions confirmation hearings, of right. course, the night before. Was the bombshell from CNN that we're going to talk about, of course, and also the fallout still from from Meryl Streep, the speech mm-hmm. they sent out. You know, I was just getting into it already. And anyway, it was just it was overload. It doesn't happen very often that I'm unable to cope. I was just a fucking pissed off asshole last night. Uh-huh. I even took it out on you a little bit. Yeah. Being short and, you know, just generally kind of dickish. Mm hmm. And more so than normal, yeah, well, <laughs> which was, I mean, that's what alerted me that there was a problem. Well, and we we both agreed mm-hmm. that I, well, you especially, you don't like it when I bring that energy uh-huh. to the show. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm, I am a fiery character anyway. And sometimes it's entertaining, but you were in a bad place. I mean, yeah, it, it was just good. like angry. Yeah. yeah. And you really don't like me calling Donald Trump a cunt on the show. I'm not doing it now. I'm just saying that's where I was. Uh There would have been a lot (laughs) of that word dropped. Yeah. And uh, that's not a good time for you. Uh And sometimes your your well-being and your comfort level takes precedence over what the show might, the audience might like it. I'm sure there's a, a, a vast number of individuals in the audience who would really enjoy you know, 10 or 20 C-bomb drops at Donald Trump's expense. Yeah, but we also, we have a show here that is <laughs> uh, informational, okay? <laughs> Not just entertaining. Yeah, yeah. And so it's important to talk about have things some decorum. that are going on <laughs> in a way where people can get information. Yeah. And then, and then, so we, we the plan was wake up super early. And just hit the show and get it dropped, uh-huh. which is great. So we got up, well, not super early, but we got up. We go down to Starbucks right down the road. There's there's a Starbucks right down the road to everybody. That's mm-hmm. just how they are. And I'm in a good mood. I put some music on while I was getting up, trying to drag you out of bed because you're a lazy bees. Yep. And... Uh, <laughs> Dancing all around, pissing me off. And we're going through the drive-thru, and the guy at the drive-thru, <laughs> he's, I, it immediately sent me into a rage. 
Can, the me, moment can, you interacted with a human being. Can I, yeah, that's it. That's all I have to do is just go be around people and then I'm pissed <laughs> off again. So can, should I do like an invitation of how it went down? Yeah. Yeah. I'll be both characters. Okay. You can pull that off. Sh- should I like do... Okay, the whole thing. Okay. okay. So, uh, hey, uh, good morning. How can I help you? Uh, yeah. Um, can I get a grande smoked butterscotch... La- latte, whatever it is. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. Okay, uh, do you guys still have pumpkin spice? No, we're out of that syrup. Okay, uh, I'll get a Vente five-shot Americano with room. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, do you guys have those, like, bantam bagels? Okay. <laughs> do- no, do you-, do you have the bantam bagels? Okay. Uh, you-, you do have them? Yeah. Okay, then I'll take two of those. Okay. What is <laughs> the uh, the way he was saying? He's okay, okay, it was robot. so funny. The way he was saying it, I was just hysterically laughing. Well, because... then I had to. I, I'm looked. I'm looking all the way to the right because I had pulled a little bit too far. And then when I look back to you, I look back to you, or I was looking to the left. I look back to you at the right. Yeah. And you, you are. You're ready to piss yourself. You're laughing so hard. Well, it was almost one of those situations where you you have to wonder if he was dealing with someone else and so wasn't really listening oh, to what you were saying. Yeah. So he just kept saying, okay, okay. You know, like when you, you're listening to someone and you realize, yeah. oh, shit, I haven't been listening. See, that's awesome. Now, I don't hate him as much right now. Oh, because... I have found an explanation. Yeah, but... I wanted to set that Starbucks on fire. <laughs> I was fucking very mad. But that makes a lot of sense. See, that's that's a great example uh-huh. of how I should just calm her. Don't say uh-huh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's a great example of how stepping aside and looking at it from a different angle might give you perspective on what was going on. Yes. Because I just thought he was the worst communicator in the history of all communication. Yeah, well, and that might and be true, too. And I wanted to too. reach through and choke him. Well, whatever you need to believe in order to calm the F down, <laughs> please tell yourself that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, also, it didn't help that it's pouring. It is raining its dick off right now. Yeah. It's very nice. I have to like put the window down just for enough time to grab one drink, put it back up because it's just a deluge pouring into the car. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah. Happy to be here, everybody. Episode 268. (laughs) Oh, my God. What a wreck. And then everything else is going on. Yeah. We're we're happy to be here. Thank you for joining us. We love you guys. But uh, sometimes, some, sometimes. Let's start with a voicemail and, oddly enough, weather-related. Hey, guys. Uh, you'll have to forgive me. I'm a few episodes behind. Dare you, sir. I had to decompress from all the politics for a while, but I'm catching up now. And I uh, was just on a few episodes back, getting close to catching up, and I heard Brittany complaining about 61-degree weather. Now, as I'm listening to this, I'm in Minneapolis, and I'm on an hour-long walk with my dog, and it's 10 degrees out. And it is fucking balmy. You know why? Because a few days ago, it was negative 10. So, sorry, uh, you know, can't really agree with you on that one. 61 is beautiful. Anyways, keep up the best work. And sorry, right now, Jesse, you're the best part. Yes. Excuse me. I, just need, I need that. That's a, that's a confidence booster. Just because I get cold in 60-degree weather doesn't mean that you need to hate on me, okay? I, I agree with him. 
I I agree with the anonymous caller who yeah. didn't leave his name. Well, doesn't l- know the 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 standard operating procedure for calling into the show. You know, I there was a time where I was capable of of being an actual cold when I lived in Idaho, but I have adjusted to this California weather, and yeah. it's very unfortunate. It is. I agree. It's bullshit. Yeah. I am never cold. Never cold. There You're, are times. Sometimes you get chilled out. <laughs> chilled out. <laughs> For the record, that is Brittany's. That's her very, I think, hilarious thing. She says, man, it's chilled out in here. <laughs> <laughs> no one else is going to think that's Sometimes funny, you feel chilled out. That's, I, it's true. Sometimes. But yeah. you'll. I'll, I will feel chilled out, and uh-huh. then you'll like grab my hand and be shocked at how warm it is. Yeah, you're always warm. Yeah. It's weird. I am a factory of heat and light and love. Apparently. Yeah. So anyway, we, we've got a lot to get to. We had some emails. We might push them to next show. I just wanted to get that call in because I thought it was funny. And, uh, you know, anytime I can play a voicemail where Brittany's not the best goddamn part... Love the show. It is, Brittany's the best part. It is a moment I, that I relish. You know, we all know that you're the best part, so it's okay. Right, right. So we, we do have a lot to get to. There, a, a shit ton is going on that put, sent me into a, 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 an anger spiral. But before we do, I want to cover a couple things. The first being a, a little follow-up that we had to push last episode because we just went too long about this Kim Burrell, uh, Ellen DeGeneres, Pharrell Williams thing. She, we covered it on uh, a couple episodes ago that Ellen disinvited gospel singer, apparently pastor. L- let me remind you who Kim Burrell is. You're perverted mm-hmm. if you're a born gay or lesbian. Perverted. You're a sinner. Destined. For eternal torment. She sounds so loving. Burning in the lake of fire for eternity. So compassionate, that Because lady. of the manner in which you were born. The state in which you were born. Very loving. Super logical. Awesome. So, uh, Pharrell Williams came on The Ellen Show and performed solo. He didn't uh, have Kim Burrell with him because she had been given the boot. And a conversation was had between these two surrounding it, and I wanted to talk about it. Um, we have to talk about this before we uh, we go. There was there you were supposed to do a different song, yeah, and you were supposed to perform it with a, a, a singer that uh, I actually I didn't know her. Her name is Kim Burrell, yeah, and uh, she uh, made a statement. She was doing a Facebook live, and she said some. Uh, very uh, not nice things about homosexuals. Yeah. So uh, I didn't feel like that was good of me to have her on the show to give right. her a platform after she's saying things about me. Um, so I'm going to let you talk about it for a minute. Well, there's no space, there's no room for any kind of prejudice in 2017 or moving on. Like, there's no... Yeah. There's no room. I... She's a fantastic singer. She's, uh, and I love her just like I love everybody else. Um, and we all got to get used to that. We got to get used to, um, we got to get, we, we have, we all have to get used to everyone's differences and, and understand that this is a big, gigantic, beautiful, colorful world. And it only works with inclusion and empathy. 
It only works that way. Yep. Agreed. Live and let live, love and let love. Yep. Yeah. Agreed, agreed. And I think, you know, I, I say it all the time. I mean, to me, when I say be kind to one another, uh, I feel that because as someone who has received a lot of, uh, of, of hate and, and prejudice and, and discrimination because of who I choose to love, um, I just don't understand anyone who has experienced that kind of oppression or any, anything like that, how it only gives me more compassion. It gives me more empathy. I want everyone, I don't ever want anyone to feel hurt or, yeah. or because they're different. Whenever you see something, whenever you hear some sort of hate speech and you feel like it doesn't necessarily pertain to you because, you know, you may not have anything to do with that, all you got to do is put the word black in that sentence or put gay in that sentence or put transgender in that sentence or put uh, white in that sentence. And all of a sudden it starts to make sense to you, you know. Um, we, I'm telling you, the, the world is a beautiful place but it does not work without empathy and inclusion. And God is love. This universe is love. And that's the only way it will function. You see, and, and I get it. I, I get that sometimes like some of the divisive stuff works in life. We, we've all learned that lesson, right? We learned that, we learned that lesson last year that sometimes divisiveness works, but you have to choose what side you're on. And I'm choosing empathy, I'm choosing inclusion, and I'm choosing love for everybody and just trying to lift everyone. Even when I disagree with someone, I'm wishing them the best. I'm hoping for the best because we can't win the other way. I am with you. I am with you. So I'm sure that there are millions of Donald Trump supporting evangelical fundamentalist Christians out there who are pissed off about that message, who are angry about the sentiments that were just expressed by both Pharrell Williams and Ellen. It doesn't make any sense to me. The one thing I wanted to talk about regarding the conversation is he he has to play both sides of the fence here. He has to kind of he still I mean obviously I don't I wouldn't expect him to say I hate her now and I'm not going to do business with her, but he was at the beginning kind of playing both sides a little bit. Not quite as bold, let's say in his condemnation of her as as I believe he should have been. Mm-hmm. Because what she said was hate. Yes. And that's kind of something that gives me pause, I guess, when I listen to that is I love Ellen and I love that she is such a warm and compassionate human being mm-hmm. and that she didn't trash this woman because that's obviously not helpful. But at the same time, this person... <laughs> We can, you know, hope the best for her yes. and and think that she deserves good things and not wish harm upon her. But the yeah. LGBT community doesn't need to respect that person, doesn't need to feel love for that person. And they shouldn't be told that they need to feel that way because this yes. is someone who is insulting who they are as a person and believes that they are sick and perverted and that something is seriously wrong with them and that they're going to burn in hell and they shouldn't be forced to love or feel compassionate towards someone who believes that about them. It kind of comes down to, and this is where I've talked about this in the last, just the last few episodes about I'm more of a Malcolm X guy. That would be more my style of civil resistance. I'm not a Martin Luther King guy. The, the, the nonviolent, peaceful guy. I'm more mm, aggressive about things. 
So Pharrell Williams and Ellen, I think their way does work better. It just it doesn't rub me well. I like the very, well, obviously, every listener to the show knows how I deal with things, how I talk about things, how I react to things. And had I been on one of those couches, which, you know, <laughs> there's a reason I'm not super mainstream, everybody. <laughs> Although it is possible for me to curtail the anger and the angst. Um, Attention, mainstream people. <laughs> Are you uncomfortable right now? It's capable of changing, mainstream well, I, listen, people. Listen, it, it just... Obviously, I'm not going to fly off the handle and use curse words or whatever, but it, it, I, I don't, like I said, I'm more your Malcolm X type. I I have deep respect for the the passive, nonviolent, peaceful resistor types like Ellen, like Pharrell, clearly. I have deep respect for them. Uh, and I think it works better. I've said it. It just doesn't make me feel... Complete. <laughs> All right. Let's move on because we do have so much to get to what has happened over the course of the last few days. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like. Comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dolomore. Matt. Matt. Awesome. Matt is the latest Patreon and PayPal supporter. Thank you, sir, for your contribution. That's awesome. We appreciate it very much. We really do. And if you too would like to join the ranks of our Patreon and PayPal supporters, you can go to dollamore.com slash Patreon, dollamore.com slash PayPal. You can even go to dollamore.com slash shop and pick yourself up a handy little mug. Yeah, we only have, when I say several people have messaged the show to ask if they're still in stock, in stock, like it's a store, uh, and... Uh, we, I say handful. I'm not. I'm not kidding. I can probably hold. It would be kind of a. I'd have to be like a super skilled server in a restaurant. But I, we have a handful left. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have to reorder, and that'll be a few weeks down the road. So, uh, we we appreciate it very much. Thank you guys. We love you. And the inauguration is Friday, January twentieth. You will need a mug to drink beverage. All the booze. Yes. All. Yes. Of the booze. Mm-hmm. Dilemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. I love how I said drink beverage, by the way. <laughs> I, I don't know what happened to my brain, <laughs> but that's what happens. All right. Well, there's a story that we didn't cover last time because we went long and I needed to push it. So we're going to cover that first story first. And it involves, I think it's very fascinating and also very important going forward as Donald Trump as a president. And that is his conflicts of interest. And this is different because it's related to all of the millions, hundreds of millions of dollars that he that he has in debt that are held globally. 
Donald Trump is worth billions, he says, but he also owes millions. The Wall Street Journal analyzed the numbers, found more than 150 financial institutions uh, own his debt. That, the journal reports, could create potential conflicts of interest once the president-elect becomes president. Trace Gallagher has this. So exactly what institutions are these? Well, Shep, we're talking about everything from Wall Street banks to various mutual funds. For example, Wells Fargo runs at least five mutual funds that own portions of Trump businesses. Wells Fargo is also linked to hundreds of millions of dollars of loans connected to Donald Trump and his portfolio of properties. Here's the issue. The Wall Street Journal reports that some of the debts are backed by Mr. Trump's personal guarantee. Wells Fargo, as you may know, is facing scrutiny from the feds for fraudulent sales practices, among other things. And once he takes office, Donald Trump will appoint the heads of many of the regulators that police those banks. So far, neither the banks nor Team Trump have commented, but the very appearance of potential conflicts can pose big concerns. Next week, we should learn exactly how Trump plans to distance himself from his businesses before he actually moves into the White House. Chuck. The suggestion of the journal is that this puts these businesses in a very powerful position. Sure. Trump has already declared that his businesses owe at least $315 million to 10 companies. The Wall Street Journal says Trump's businesses are held by more than 150 companies. And those financial institutions are in a potentially powerful position over the incoming president because if something goes wrong, they could either for, uh, foreclose on some of Trump's marquee properties or they could seek tens of millions of dollars that Mr. Trump has personally guaranteed. And experts say the last thing you want is for the president to be personally beholden or vulnerable to threats from various lenders. And that is the rub. It's not that he has the debt. It's who holds the debt and that there is a personal guarantee behind it. That he could be influenced by whether it be better rates on his debt or any number well listen donald trump doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would be influenced by that right, <laughs> right. you know he's he's a super stalwart and moral man getting a better deal really I, that's that's not the business that donald trump is in right he's not looking to make connections he's not looking to make better deals right well he also hasn't said in, in ad nauseum over the course of the last year that he doesn't really care about what's best for the country because if he gets a good deal, that's just being smart. Mm -hmm. Not paying taxes for 20 years, that's just smart. Right. Having all of your shirts and ties and shitty clothing made all across the globe and not in America, that's not unpatriotic. That's just smart. Right. And they also say it's common for big real estate investors to have debt spread around Wall Street. So it's not shocking that I, he has the debt. But I'm, all, I'm, on, I'm not shitting on him for having debt. Right. But the but the wide ranging nature of his debt is obviously what complicates the potential conflicts that he could face in his role as right. president. It's the fact that he's going to be president and he has this vulnerability because debt is a vulnerability. Right. And they're saying that, that it's further complicated if he doesn't opt to sell his real estate holdings. Which we now know mm -hmm. he is not going to do. Right. He, they had the press conference that we're waiting for. And we're going to talk about that. His but, first press conference since July, yeah, since I think, right? 167 <laughs> days. Yeah. 167 days. He, uh, see, I'm going to... Uh, 
starting to get sweaty. But it's it's. <laughs> I know I've said, oh, it's further complicated by it's further complicated by, but times three, it's further complicated by the fact that he hasn't released his tax returns. Right. So again, it's still this issue of well, what is he hiding? Right. And he was asked about his tax returns at the press conference during the press conference again. Which- which we're going to get to. Again, says he's not releasing them. Right. And Mark... Just flatly. And it also said the same... See, we're going to get sucked into this. And said the same <laughs> bullshit line that the media is the only one. You're the only one who cares about it. The American people don't care about it, which is patently fucking false. Well, Mark Sanford came out and said that he cares. Mark Sanford, the former governor of South Carolina? Yes, he's a representative now, and he came out and said... That's right, he ran for Congress and won. He came out and said, no, I I care. Actually, I also care. It's not just these people. I would like to see them. Right. So well, every, every honest, patriotic American should want to see the president's tax returns to know what's in there, when the, especially when you have a portfolio the size, a behemoth amount of money and interests globally. I would like to know. What other conflicts of interest can be out there? And he consistently says, and his liar team consistently says, "Oh, you, no, you can't. You don't learn much from a from a tax return. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, this whole time they've been the the presidential candidates have been releasing their tax returns for no reason. Right, because oh, we just it's it's fun. It's just fun to do. Yeah. Ugh. All right. Well, before we get to all the stuff that we just talked about. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> we did talk about Meryl Streep in her speech. We did talk about Donald Trump coming out. I did a couple videos on it because Tommy Laren, idiot. Anyway, uh, it is. This is one of the reasons why I was so tight yesterday, all wound up yesterday, and was watching Kellyanne Conway be dispatched by the Trump propaganda machine and go on she sat with usa today she sat with fox and friends and she sat with cnn among others but those those three are what i'm going to play here and said some unbelievable things about miss meryl streep it distresses me in the following way i think if you have a platform You want to be able to use it as you want, but if you really want to try to effectuate positive change and you want to talk about the disabled last night in your Meryl Street, why not give some voice and some outrage to the fact that just last week in Chicago, a mentally disabled uh, young man was tortured for 30 minutes live on Facebook, Susan, by four um, African-American young adults who were yelling uh, racial and anti-Trump expletives, forced him to put his head in toilet water. If you want to have a platform and you want to protect, then why not Why not use something that's in the news right now, too? She was using that really to try to attack Donald Trump. Donald Trump fired back on Twitter today. And look, Meryl Streep and the room she was in represents a small slice of America. And it's a slice of America that has a great platform in Hollywood. I get it. This was an anti-elite. This was a rejection of the elites, of people in the political media, Hollywood money access, frankly that was out of touch with America. I mean, Donald Trump proved one thing mightily. He understood America, and he had the masterful way of communicating and connecting with them. If you look at some of the shows on TV now, you realize that there's some people out, some smart people out there who know how to connect with America. I mean, this is the same people having storage wars and, you know, um, 
uh, Duck Dynasty, etc. They know what resonates with America, and yet it, when you have a Hollywood award show, it reverts back to, I think, of a, a single mind, a, a certain myopia when it comes to political discourse. I am so sick of hearing about this rejection of elites. I am so sick of hearing that phrase. I can't even tell you. Every time someone says that to me, I say, what is your definition of elite? Right? Right. And Kellyanne Conway just said it right there. She said money access. Right. Right after she said the word elite. Yes. Money access. Is that not Donald Trump? Meryl Streep's net worth is $75 million. Donald Trump's goddamn apartment in New York City is $100 million. His apartment is worth $25 million more than her entire net worth. So fuck you, Kellyanne Conway, you propaganda artist. You know, she really is... (sighs) She is something else. How, How could she sit there with a straight face... And be just such a bald-faced liar. She really shocks me every time I see her on TV because she doesn't get frazzled and she's able to just spin, spin, spin and lie her ass off endlessly. Yes, yes. And it's shocking to me because I've, I have never seen someone like her before. Well, just wait because here she is on Fox and Friends. That aside... We have to now form a government, and I'm concerned that somebody with a platform like Meryl Streep is is also, I think, inciting uh, people's worst instincts when she Uh, will get up there and say, I didn't like it, but let's try to support him and see where we can find some common ground with him, mm -hmm. which he actually has done from moment one. The moment he won, he said, I'm going to be the president. Well, then there's the flip side, too. What do you tell your daughters about Hillary Clinton lied? Well, yes, I tell them it's not nice to lie and that, you know, 62% of Americans agreed with that. They found that she was not honest or trustworthy. Mm -hmm. And for those watching saying, Kellyanne's still talking about the campaign, Meryl Streep and Hollywood are still talking about that. We're trying to get our cabinet appointees confirmed. And we deserve that respect. And the president-elect deserves uh, that type of swift action. You don't deserve anything. Let me say, there's three things here that I want. One is, I want everybody to remember that, first of all, the girl that asked the question it's this person. What about the majority? Okay, the so majority. I'm tired of protecting the minority. You mean the, the woman who randomly brought up Hillary Clinton for yeah. no reason? A- Ainsley Earhart. Right. Who brought up Kellyanne Conway's kids. Mm-hmm. What do you tell your kids about Hillary Clinton lying? And Kellyanne Conway answers the question. Oh, right. well, I tell my kids blah, blah, blah. Right. Remember that because in the next clip, <laughs> Chris Cuomo tries to say, what do we tell our kids and Kellyanne Conway says, well, I, I don't want to bring my kids into this. Yeah. Because she's a fucking liar. Yeah. She's disingenuous. She's a traitor to our country. What does she tell our kids about Donald Trump grabbing women by the pussy? Right. Oh, I don't know. I'm not going to bring my kids into this. Unless it fits the narrative that I want to talk about. The other thing that I want to talk about related to this and this particular clip is that, are you kidding me? Meryl Streep is inciting our worst instincts. Did she say that a judge born in America couldn't do his job because he was a Mexican? Did she say that Mexicans are rapists? Did she want to ban a particular religion from entering the country? Something that runs counter to the values we hold dear in our country. Did Meryl Streep talk about a registry? To register a certain religion? 
Where are the Christians right now? If you were to say, I want a registry of everybody who's a Christian, they would lose their goddamn minds. So rather than doing all those things, what Meryl Streep did was she got on stage and got choked up remembering the time when Donald Trump mocked Serge Kovaleski and <laughs> begged for kindness and civility right. and, and she, compassion. She's the bitch because she wants people to be more loving. And not only just wants people to be more loving, but wants people in power to be held accountable and to expect more from those in power. Right. All of those things. How is that inciting what whatever word she used? <laughs> She's begging for people to be better. She's appealing to the better angels of our nature. That's right. what she was doing. Not inciting our worst instincts, using her platform to to gin up hatred. She's talking about love. She's talking about empathy. She's talking about compassion. And th this notion that Donald Trump, as soon as he got elected, he talked about coming together and respect. Yeah, until New Year's Eve, when he sent out his tweet about all the haters and it, it just being a, a complete charlatan. I don't know what order these clips came in. I don't know if, if one was after or before the other. But the reason I put him in the order that I did is because she wasn't challenged in any of these two previous clips. In this next clip, she's with Chris Cuomo on New Day on CNN, and he actually pushes back. They actually have a conversation. And anytime that she's not just allowed to run her stupid mouth, it's not good for her because she's shown to be the traitorous liar that she is. I find it odd. All Donald Trump then and President-elect Trump now needed to do was say, hey, look, uh, making that gesture about surge was wrong and I apologize and it would have been over instead there are these tortured attempts to say oh no no I had nothing to do no, no, with he's saying that isn't what he, that is, he's saying that was never his and intention. you have he people online defending times. it by saying oh he did that to other people too. I haven't seen any of that but I'm just merely saying that when you tune into the Go Go Golden Globes award show is it always appropriate to talk politics? They can say what they want, but then they have to, they have to be held to account. I mean, look, that's a very myopic place. That place, that's this fine. network, frankly, all believe the election wrong? would turn out a different way. Is she wrong that it was wrong for Trump to make gestures like that about he a man did, with disabilities? But that is not what he did, and he has said that a thousand times. As he tweeted out he today, can say he it said it a million. Look times. at the video. Why can't you wait? Excuse me. Why can't you give him the benefit of the doubt? The way the benefit of the doubt was given to CNN's polling, all of its analysts, everybody in the world saying because he he's making a disgusting gesture on video, talking and not about, about that reporter. And that's just a fact. That is what How he is said. You should reporter. give him the deference and respect if he says that it was he was not mocking. He was mocking the groveling. He said it again this morning. He has three tweets out about it. But he's doing a gesture that you're goes saying you right don't believe it. You're calling him a liar, and you shouldn't. Look, Kellyanne. To me, that's like you're trying to scare me off the point. And we no, both not at all. I'm not going to scare you off anything. He's making a gesture that is so keenly tuned to what Serge's and, vulnerability is. And now you're giving is. oxygen to what Meryl Streep said. Forget about Meryl Streep. That's, her, that's why we're talking her. about it. Your people said, it well, he all, said it to Cruz also. He did that to Cruz also. It was all very litigated. He did it after. Listen, it's, he did it to all talked about in the election. I came on this network So you don't think it deserves an apology? We talked about things. If our kids did that, can you imagine what we would say to them? I'm not going to bring my kids into this. I will. If my kid did something like that it'd be a really tough day but look, an iPad you have to you have to listen 
to what the president-elect has said about that. Why don't you believe him? Why does everything take it at face value? 62% of Americans, according to CNN's polling, said Hillary Clinton can't tell the truth about anything. And, and yet... And who she was, was right given, behind her No, she analysis. was given the benefit Trump. of the doubt here constantly. When? You can't give him the, you can't give him the benefit of the doubt on, on this, and he's telling you what was in his heart. You always want to go by what's come out of his mouth rather than look at what's uh, in his it's heart. A- how are we supposed to know what's in his goddamn black heart if not by listening to what comes out of his mouth? How are we to know that? This conversation upsets me because it almost reminds me of a conversation that would happen with like an abuse victim. Yes. And, oh, and, a, and, yes. A, and an abuser saying, you know, why can't you just give me the benefit of the doubt? I know that I beat you, but can't you see that in my heart I love you? It isn't about what I do. It isn't about what I say to you. Yes. It's about I I still love you. I care about you. It's exactly what it is. It's an abusive relationship. She's asking us to ignore what we're seeing with our own eyes. It's almost gaslighting. Yeah. It's forcing us to question what we're actually seeing, what we're actually hearing. And saying, no, we need to give someone the benefit of the doubt, despite what we're seeing, despite what we're hearing, despite what we know to be factually true. And that's really sick. And I I loved what Chris Cuomo said. He said that this gesture is so, quote, keenly tuned to what Serge's vulnerability is. Right. Donald Trump's gesture with his hands is, is so remarkably similar. Right. And I've seen that video of people saying, well, listen, Donald Trump mocks everybody like this. Not quite. It isn't quite the same way. I understand that he makes the same, uh, and he kind of jumbles around. But the thing is that that Serge covered Donald Trump for the New York Daily News from 1987 to 1993. Yeah. They were on a first name basis. They knew each other. Right. He he. Donald Trump is a liar when he says, I, I've never met him. I don't know him. Right. He definitely knows right. him. Right. Of course he does. Donald yeah. Trump was calling uh, reporters posing as someone else. John to, Barron. Yeah. He, he's so self-interested. Of course he's going to know who's reporting on him. He constantly has the news on. He can't avoid looking at things that are talking about him. Right. Of course he's going to know who Serge is. So that's the thing. So if he has this impulse to mock people in a particular way, Let's just say if, okay? Not true, but we'll just say if. Right. You'd think that someone who has the slightest amount of human decency, knowing what Surge looks like, would refrain from them mocking Surge in the same way. Right. And before he mocks him, he says, quote, now the poor guy, you've got to see this guy. Why would you have to see him? Well, tell me what that means before you raise your hand in the exact way that Serge has his hand raised. Tell me why you said that. It's The poor guy, you've got to see this guy. Right. And everyone is so content to share this video and say, Donald Trump mocks everybody this way. This is a 70-year-old man. And people are defending him and saying, listen, he just shits on everybody. Like, that's an excuse. And it's not even that he's 70. He's going to be the goddamn president of the United States. I don't know about you. That means something to me. I hold up in high esteem a president of this great nation. Agree or disagree with their politics, 
a president should be. This is why I had such a problem with Bill Clinton. Because like Penn Jillette says, a president should be the best among us. And Donald Trump isn't that. Because if the excuse that his supporters use is, oh, he mocks everybody that way. Well, a president shouldn't be fucking mocking anyone. He shouldn't be belittling anyone. He should inspire you. Right. And I remember the video where he he mocked Serge and, and his audience was laughing and cheering and thinking this was funny. And I almost wonder what it is about Donald Trump supporters that somehow feel stronger or more powerful being behind this dick who takes advantage of people. And, you know, it's like a pseudo powerful person. That's what Donald Trump is. It's pseudo powerful because he he just walks all over people and somehow being behind a guy who does that, like protects them from being vulnerable to that. And so it's okay for them yeah. to laugh at it. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't understand it. Well, look, the bummer is that we're in a situation now where, listen, there are certain people who need to have their ass kicked. It would serve them well. Donald Trump's clearly a guy who's never had his ass kicked. And now he's in a position where I'm not even maybe allowed to say that someone needs to kick his ass. That's not even something I can say. Because of who he is and the position he holds. Because the position he holds is so important. Is so lofty. Is so respected. That we're not allowed to threaten the well-being. Because the position is so important. This is why I get so... Frustrated, so unable to even do the goddamn show because I get, I mean, I am perplexed. I am apoplectic. I don't know how to even communicate how fucking frustrated, how angry I am. It does get to the point when I listen to Kellyanne Conway with her fucking lies and her drivel that I don't want to reach across. I don't want to. Well, you know, they just had a difference of opinion. It makes me have seething disdain for those crowds that you're talking about, Brittany, in Donald Trump audiences. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to feel that way because it's not, one, it's not healthy for me. And two, it doesn't do anybody any good. But it is so hard watching Sean Spicer the former communications director for the RNC and the incoming press secretary for Donald Trump, just be a liar, an arrogant, yelling and screaming liar. Anyway, we've got to move on here. I'm getting a little worked up, and it's only going to get worse. (laughs) Oh, shit. So we're going to talk about this entire fiasco with the press conference that happened but the bombshell that was dropped by cnn the evening before the salacious details we're going to talk about because i don't have a journalistic standard i'm not a journalist if anything i'm a commentator and if it's out there in the public arena it's fit to talk about if i hear rumor i'm okay to talk about rumor as long as i say hey this is rumor unsubstantiated 
But we're going to talk about it. So are we going to play a clip about the... I got a lot. In fact, this next clip, I'm glad you said it because it sets me up to talk about how long it is. This next clip is seven minutes long. It is Jake Tapper when they announced, and I want everybody, listen, you might know a little bit of detail about this, but this really goes through and it also sets up you to understand the controversy surrounding CNN because at the press conference, Donald Trump wouldn't call and called CNN fake news and Kellyanne Conway has gone on with Anderson and got excoriated by Anderson with her lies because when you, you were in opposition to someone, you're not when she is in opposition with someone in a conversation, it doesn't go well because she is such a plain liar. Anyway, I don't have clips of that. I, I'm getting now the show's going off the fucking rails because I'm frustrated. So anyway, the first clip, listen to it because it, it also lets you know what they did and didn't report on relative to this entire bombshell. CNN has learned that the nation's top intelligence officials provided information to President-elect Donald Trump and to President Barack Obama last week about claims of Russian efforts to compromise President-elect Trump. The information was provided as part of last week's classified intelligence briefings regarding Russian efforts to undermine the U.S. elections. I've been working on this story with Jim Shudo and Evan Perez and Carl Bernstein. We've all been working on this, and they all join me now. Uh, so let me start with my colleague Jim Shudo. Jim, walk us through what we've learned. I want to be very pre precise here. Multiple U.S. officials with direct knowledge of the briefings tell CNN that classified documents on Russian interference in the 2016 U.S. election presented last week to President Obama and to President-elect Trump included allegations that Russian operatives claimed to have compromising personal and financial information about Mr. Trump. The allegations were part of a two-page synopsis. These were based on memos compiled by a former British intelligence operative whose past work U.S. intelligence officials consider credible. The FBI is now investigating the credibility and accuracy of the allegations, which are based primarily on information from Russian sources, but the FBI has not confirmed many essential details in the memos about Mr. Trump. The classified briefings last week, I should note, were presented by four of the senior-most U.S. intelligence chiefs, that is, Director of National Intelligence James Clapper, FBI Director James Comey, the CIA Director John Brennan, and NSA Director Admiral Mike Rogers. This two-page synopsis also included allegations that there was a continuing exchange of information during the campaign between Trump surrogates and intermediaries for the Russian government. This according to two national security officials. CNN has confirmed that the synopsis, synopsis was included in the documents that were presented to Mr. Trump. However, we cannot confirm if it was discussed in his meeting with those intelligence chiefs. The Trump transition team declined to comment. I should also mention that the Office of the Director of National Intelligence and the FBI also declined to comment as well. Now, we should point out that uh, we did uh, reach out to the Trump team. Uh, they say that they are working on a statement. They will get back to us. As soon as they do get back to us, we will provide that information uh, in our online reporting and also on television. I just want to underline this two-page synopsis that we're referring to. This is an annex. This is an addendum to the intelligence community report. That's exactly right. There, there was a broader p report that spoke to the intelligence community's assessment that Russia hacked the U.S. Intelligence 
election, interfered in the U.S. election, uh, and also had an intent in, in doing so. This two-page addendum was included in the documents for this briefing, but it was not part of that larger assessment on Russian interference. Now, Evan Perez, let me bring you in. We know that, that the intelligence community and the FBI, they are still trying to vet right. these allegations. They right. found uh, the individual, that the British, former British intelligence official, they found him credible and his sources credible. The allegations, they weren't so sure. So why even bring it up uh, with President uh, Obama or President-elect Trump? That's right. Uh, well, there, there are a couple of reasons, uh, Jake. Uh, the reasons that they were given to do this is that, is that the inter intelligence officials tell us that they included the synopsis in part to make the president-elect aware that the, these allegations involving him are circulating among intelligence agencies, senior members of Congress, and, and other government officials in Washington. Several officials with knowledge of the briefings tell CNN uh, that the information was also included in part to demonstrate that Russia had compiled information potentially harmful to both political parties, but only released in information damaging to Hillary Clinton and Democrats. Now, this synopsis was not an official part of the intelligence community case about the Russian hacks, uh, but some officials said that it augmented the, the evidence that Moscow had intended to harm Clinton's campaign uh, and uh, to help Trump. Fascinating. And Carl Bernstein, let me bring you in here. This information, uh, it did not start with U.S. intelligence and it did not start with the FBI or law enforcement. Where did it come from? It came from a former British MI6 intelligence agent who was hired by a political research, opposition research firm in Washington who was doing work about Donald Trump for both Republican and Democratic candidates opposed to Trump. They were looking at Trump's business ties. They saw some questionable things about Russians, about his businesses in Russia. They, in turn, hired this MI6 former investigator. He then came up with additional information from his Russian sources. He was very concerned by the implications of it. He then took it to an FBI colleague that he had known in his undercover work for years. He took it to this FBI man in Rome who turned it over to the bureau in Washington in August. And then a former British ambassador to Russia independently was made aware of these findings and he took the information to John McCain, Senator John McCain of Arizona, in the period just after the election and showed it to McCain, additional findings. McCain was sufficiently disturbed by what he read to take it to FBI Director James Comey himself personally. They had a five-minute meeting, the two men. Very little was said. McCain turned it over to him and is now awaiting what the FBI's response is to that information. And, and Jim, uh, a lot of this information uh, in the former MI6 officials' memos uh, has been floating around in Washington for a while. Um, but something has changed here that now has made this more credible. Um, uh, first of all, uh, the FBI has vetted the individual and his sources. And second of all, the intelligence community felt uh, it was significant enough to include in this presentation. Does anyone else know this information? Uh, they do. In, in fact, on the same day that the president-elect was briefed uh, by the intelligence community, the top four congressional leaders, as well as the chairman and ranking members of the House 
and Senate intelligence committees. These are the so-called Gang of Eight. They were also provided a summary of these memos regarding Mr. Trump. This according to law enforcement, intelligence, and administration sources. That said, the synopsis was considered so sensitive, it was not included in the classified report about Russian hacking that was more broadly distributed in Washington, but rather in an annex that was only shared at the most senior levels of government, that is, the current president, President Obama, the president-elect, Mr. Trump, and those eight congressional leaders. So there is a lot to unpack there. It's now here for you. You could rewind and listen to it, get the details. That's how it went out. Notice there was no talk of any of what BuzzFeed had. Because when CNN reported this, BuzzFeed hadn't released what they released. Now, the two-page synopsis that they're talking about in this intelligence briefing, one, the two pages, wasn't top secret because it was already out there. And it wasn't gathered by the United States government. It was what's called oppo research. It was opposition research by not just Democrats. When you run for office and you have opponents, there are firms out there that you can hire to do research deep diving, digging research on your opponents. That's why it's called opposition research. So you can find out the dirt, you can find out the deets to, to, to use it in your campaign against them. And Republicans do it to other Republicans in primaries. And of course, Democrats do it to Republicans and vice versa. Normal, standard operating procedure. That is how it works. And when you hire a firm, you don't want to dig up and make up stories. You get real deets, facts. That's what you're looking for. Things that are really going to have damage. You could make up your own fucking rumors and lies. That's not what you're looking for. So they hired this guy, former MI6, which is the... United Kingdom, it's uh, Britain's CIA. They hired a former intelligence operator. He gathered these details about the pissing and the and the hotel rooms and the all the the fact that Russia has both financial and personal compromising details that they're going to use to to blackmail. Right. Donald Trump. And even though the personal details are more entertaining or more exciting, it's also those financial ties that are concerning, right? That there is a financial interest there that they have invested in Donald Trump. Right. There is also some solid evidence, I believe, that Donald Trump's campaign had inner working communication with the Russian government during the campaign to coordinate, to get the information about Hillary Clinton and who knows what else. And like you said, this information had been out there. John McCain actually took the information and gave it to FBI Director James Comey. Right. I want to address that because you're, you're, you're going to hear, if you haven't already, a lot of rumors and bullshit out there that this was quote-unquote fan fiction that started on 4chan which is like the perverted little brother of Reddit. It's a website. 
That is just fucking patently false. That is not true. The CIA and the National Security Agency and the Defense Intelligence Agency and the State Department does not get bamboozled by a bunch of fucking neckbeards on the internet. This was floating around in Europe and a British ambassador was given this document, not from fucking 4chan, and he gave it to John McCain, who read it and thought, oh shit, I'm going to give this directly. He didn't give it to some courier. He had a, a five or 10 minute meeting and gave it to James Comey, the director of the FBI personally. And Harry Reid actually sent a letter to FBI yes. Director James Comey as well. And in that letter, he said, quote, In my communications with you and other top officials in the national security community, it has become clear that you possess explosive information about close ties and coordination between Donald Trump, his top advisors, and the Russian government, a foreign interest openly hostile to the United States, which Mr. Trump praises at every opportunity. The public has a right to know this information. I wrote to you months ago calling for this information to be released to the public. There is no danger to American interests from releasing it, and yet you continue to resist calls to inform the public of this critical information. Now you say, now you heard me say that he said, I wrote to you months ago calling for this information. Yes. So this information has been floating around. In these communities, and in these and circles, too. right, as legitimate, quote unquote, but not verified. That's right. Information, information to be taken seriously enough to give it to the FBI director, James Comey. That's right. And not just serious enough to give it to the, to the, the FBI director, but serious enough for the CIA, the head of the CIA, to include it in a intelligence briefing and brief the president of the United States and the president-elect of these United States. It's not, oh, there's some reporters talking about that you had some hookers pee on a bed. It's, it's far more deep-reaching than that. Right. It's a serious enough matter that very serious people took it seriously. Well, listen, there's some breaking news right now, and the Russians say that... They do not have a tape and that right. they didn't try to compromise Donald Trump. Right. So problem solved, everybody. Which Donald Trump tweeted because, of course, where do you go for the be all end all of, of intelligence gathering information? You go to the Russians if you're Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. You don't trust the CIA. Yeah. You don't trust the government of the United States and the noble men and women who are on in the intelligence agencies. You don't trust them. You trust the Kremlin if you're Donald Trump. This explains to me a lot about why Donald Trump at every turn, even in the press conference that he gave, and we're going to get to that. The show's going to go long. Even at the press conference he gave, when asked about the Russian thing, he finally, he has to admit, yes, Russia hacked us, but there's a little caveat at the end of it. Yeah, but you know, so does China. So does other people. There's always this discounted argument. Right. He, Oh, yeah, but you know what? Everybody else does, too. And, and we, we want to say, we want to emphasize that the specific claims, you know, the sexual acts, all that stuff, the, the tape. The orgy. That, that those things have not been verified. Those things are not verified. <laughs> so we don't, we don't know for sure if those things are true. I'm sure people are working to get to that. 
Right. And maybe we'll hear something in the coming days. You know, inauguration day is Friday. I'm sure people are working really hard to get some details before then. But there are things, like you're saying, that are starting to make sense, right? It's when you you finally figure something out about someone and then you kind of look back on their past behavior and you're like, huh. That all makes sense now. Yeah. Yeah. And his defense of Putin, his praising of Putin over Obama, his weird inability to accept what the CIA has been telling him about hacking, choosing to attack the CIA. Trying to convince the American people of his opinion. Right. Or even during the final presidential debate when Hillary Clinton called Donald Trump a puppet of Vladimir Putin. Right. Or in a New York Times op-ed in August, the former director of the CIA, Michael Morell, wrote, quote, in the intelligence business, we would say that Mr. Putin had recruited Mr. Trump as an unwitting agent of the Russian Federation. Okay, all of these little hints of, huh, well, did Hillary Clinton know about this? Huh, well, did the former director of the CIA know about this information? Right. All these things that people have been saying, it's starting to make you question well, does someone know something that we don't know for right. sure? So, after 167 days of silence relative to the media, Donald Trump did indeed hold his very first press conference in, in, in as many months. And it was originally scheduled to talk about how he was going to divest himself of his businesses, how he was going to extricate himself from control of his businesses you know, open to a room with a giant table filled with manila envelopes, filled with papers, hundreds and thousands of pages of papers, which, just so you know, the media was barred from examining. I've seen photos, and it appears to me, if I was to put money on it, that every single one of those manila envelopes was filled with blank pieces of paper. I've seen several photos, and it, it doesn't look good. It looks fake as shit. But that was what the meeting was about. And we'll get to that next time, unless other shit breaks, uh, about the specifics of the disentanglement that this was supposed to cover. Well, but because there's all the CIA stuff dropped the night before, when he did finally take a few questions and tried his damnedest to avoid, it was a shit show. A lot of questions were asked. But I specifically want to talk about how he treated CNN because they broke this story, having not talked about the salacious pee-pee stuff. The water play, the water, what's it called? Golden showers gate on the internet, which I've taken part of because it's funny. But he blasted CNN. Jim Acosta, a very well-respected journalist, tried to ask a question and it went down in a manner that's unbecoming a president of the United States. As far as BuzzFeed, which is a failing pile of garbage, writing it, I think they're going to suffer the consequences. They already are. And as far as CNN going out of their way to build it up. And by the way, we just found out I was coming down. Michael Cohn, I was being, Michael Cohn is a very talented lawyer. He's a good lawyer in my firm. It was just reported that it wasn't this Michael Cohn they were talking about. So all night long, it's Michael Cohn. I said, I want to see your passport. He brings his passport to my office. I say, hey, wait a minute. He didn't leave the country. He wasn't out of the country. They had Michael Cohn of the Trump Organization was in Prague. 
It turned out to be a different Michael Cohn. It's a disgrace what took place. It's a disgrace. And I think they ought to apologize to start with Michael Cohn. Since you're attacking us, can you give us a question? Go since ahead. you're no, Mr. President-elect, go ahead. Mr. President-elect, go ahead. since you are attacking no, our news not organization, you. Not can you. you give us a chance? Your organization. You are attacking our news organization. Your organization. Can you give us a chance to ask a question, sir? Go ahead, sir. Can you state, Mr. President-elect? Go ahead. Can you state categorically, Mr. President-elect? Can you give us a question? Don't be rude. You're attacking us. Can you give us a question? Don't be rude. No, I'm not going to give you a question. I'm not going to give you a question. Can you state categorically? You are fake news, sir. Go ahead. Can you state categorically? that nobody no mr president elect that's not Go appropriate president obama went too far with so Here's here's what pisses me off about this. Yeah, lay it on me. And I I just shared an article about this on my Facebook page and on Twitter because but I I had this original thought. <laughs> Again, <laughs> just like last episode. I've been telling you. I first of all I said who is clapping in there? Who yeah. was cheering when he said that? And right. you said, "Oh, there might have been people that weren't the press in there as there well." There were lots of people in there that weren't the press. Okay. But I think if I were in that room and I was a journalist, I would have stood in solidarity Yes. with CNN and said, no, if you're not going to take his question, then we all we're not out. we're not answering. We're not asking any questions until you answer his question, because you're not going to treat the press like this. There needs to be solidarity for sure. We need to hold you accountable. You're in power and we're going to stand together and make sure that you do that. They have a constitutionally protected obligation to do their jobs here. The free and unfettered press. Donald Trump is not acting in accordance with the loftiness of his position. And it's concerning because he he talked about this during the election, but people didn't care, right? And we had just kind of hoped that when he became president, things would change and maybe he would right. treat the press the way that the president should. But we're seeing that he that he doesn't because this reporter was told after the press conference, hey, if you pull something like that again, you're going to be thrown out. Tell us what it was like uh, for you when you saw what was going on. Well, Wolf, at the beginning uh, of that news conference, uh, Donald Trump indicated that he was not going to call on me or call on CNN. Uh, he sort of uh, pointed at me at one point and then waved his hand as if you're not going to get a question. Uh, and then as the news conference went on, as you heard, he was attacking this news organization repeatedly. And I felt it was uh, only fair that if our news organization is going to be attacked, uh, that we get a chance to ask a follow-up question about what uh, Donald Trump was talking about. And fortunately, our, my colleague uh, Cecilia Vega over at uh, ABC did ask a question uh, that I was going to ask, which is, did Donald Trump have any contacts who were in contact with the Russians in the context of this campaign. Uh, she actually did not get an answer on that question. I, I don't know if you noticed that at the podium, but as he was going to the elevators, uh, we all were asking him again to, to answer that question, and he said no, uh, that nobody associated with him or his campaign was in contact uh, with the Russians during the context of that campaign. So I, I do want to pass on uh, that little bit of news along because he did not answer that question uh, formally during that news conference. I, I should also tell you that at one point uh, during this news conference, just in the interest of full disclosure, and so everybody knows what's going on and what was happening in the room, uh, after I asked and, and I guess you might say demanded that we have a, a question, uh, Sean Spicer, the incoming a press secretary did say to me that if I were to do that again, I was going to be thrown out of this press conference. So that's what we face, America. A president who, if you ask too tough a question, 
a question he doesn't like, you don't get to cover the White House. You get thrown out. You get banished unless you ask softball bullshit questions. Not only that, if you report something that he doesn't like, that's what initiated this whole thing. Yes. And now he's calling them fake news. Well, they didn't do the document dump that BuzzFeed News did. That's exactly right. They didn't do that. They didn't report on those details. They reported on the factual situation that documents exist that President Barack Obama and President-elect Donald Trump were both briefed on the existence of these documents that Russia has attempted to compromise Donald Trump. That is news. That is important. <laughs> to, listen, if the it's CIA so thinks it's important enough, the media has an obligation to let the people know. There is a little sol- solidarity, though, Brittany, among some journalists, and maybe from an unlikely source over at Fox News. Shepard Smith went on the air and gave his rundown of how he felt about the entire situation relative to Donald Trump's attacks on CNN. President-elect Trump today told CNN's Jim Acosta that his organization amounts to fake news. CNN's exclusive reporting on the Russian matter was separate and distinctly different from the document dump executed by an online news property. Though we at Fox News cannot confirm CNN's report, it is our observation that its correspondents follow journalistic standards and that neither they nor any other journalists should be subjected to belittling and delegitimizing by the president-elect of the United States. Good for you, Shep. Once again, Shep Smith stepping up to the plate and being the, the bigger man. Right. Well, here is CNN's take on exactly Jake Tapper, in fact, talking about why... Trump's entire thing about fake news, which is getting of to be an old trope that I'm get, I'm very tired of it. It's fucking complete bullshit. The only fake news has come out of the Donald Trump camp relative to Pizzagate and all the other bullshit. Speaking of stories that start on 4chan and Reddit. But Jake Tapper, he breaks down how this isn't a case of fake news. And also, he does. He takes BuzzFeed to task. There are two categories of news. Uh, Let me take on the first one that has to do with us, CNN. Uh, At the beginning of the press conference, uh, Sean Spicer, who's going to be the White House press secretary, uh, suggested that both BuzzFeed and CNN published this dossier full of uncorroborated rumors. Uh, That's not true. That's false. CNN never did that. We never provided even one detail from that dossier, uh, except this morning when I said that there was reason to believe that one detail that had been out there because of BuzzFeed was false, involving Trump's attorney, Michael Cohen. So that conflation, uh, whether it's because Sean Spicer misunderstood or some other reason, that's not true. CNN did not do that. What we did was say in our reporting yesterday that broke the story that the intelligence chiefs Intelligence chiefs of the United States, when they briefed President Obama Thursday and President-elect Trump on Friday, provided in their briefing to these two leaders about Russian hacking into the U.S. 2016 election, two two pages of a synopsis, and the synopsis was in part based on information in that dossier that was uncorroborated and the intelligence chiefs had not yet run to ground, but... They believed that the source of the dossier was credible and his sources were credible. And they believed that, A, 
the president-elect and the president should know that the Russians were claiming they had compromising information on him, and two, that the Russians were claiming that there were contacts between the Trump camp or Trump orbit and the Russian government or the Russian orbit during the campaign. And that information was provided. No one has disputed that that two-page dossier was in the presentation, and that, I'm sorry, that that two-page synopsis was in the presentation by the intelligence chiefs to President-elect Trump, to President Obama. We have been asking now for more than uh, half a day, for several, several hours before we went with the story, for a comment from the Trump campaign. So that's one. And when Mr. Trump went after our own Jim Acosta, uh, saying he's fake news and he isn't going to call for him, what I suspect we are seeing here is an attempt to discredit legitimate, responsible attempts to report on this incoming administration with irresponsible journalism that hurts us all, and the media going forward should keep that in mind. So that's one, just to get that out of the way. You're referring specifically to BuzzFeed. Yeah, it's irresponsible to put uncorroborated information on the Internet. I can understand why President-elect Trump would be upset about that. I would be upset about it, too. It's why we did not publish it and why we did not detail any specifics from it, because it was uncorroborated and... uh, that's not what we do. We are in the business of sussing out what is true and what is, and what is false. Stand up. Organization. Listen, I've got my problems with CNN. I think that Trump is where he is today largely because of the, the actions of CNN. I think that they were ratings grabbers during the primaries, and I think that they, they gave him oxygen. They fed energy into his campaign. So I have a problem with them. But not in their reporting. They, they're doing a good job here. As far as BuzzFeed is concerned, ah, I'm conflicted. Look, I'm always honest with you guys. And uh, I think a lot of the, the problem that I don't have, if that makes any sense, with BuzzFeed revolves around the fact that they're damaging Donald Trump. And I, that, that gives me joy. I like that. So I'm having a hard time separating what they should have done and what is right based on my own biases. It's good that you can admit that. Well, it's, it's, it would be dishonest of me to, to say otherwise. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't really consider, listen, like we've talked about ad nauseum now over the course of the last hour, we, this information was floating out there. And if it's if it's big enough, if maybe it's one of these deals where once BuzzFeed found out that their the information they possessed was actually presented to the president and the president's elect, then they figured, oh well, shit, then th- this should go public now. Mm-hmm. Listen, I don't I don't know well enough to talk at length or with any authority about what exactly constitutes journalistic standards, but clearly because of the the shit they're getting from their own team right from from other journalists it wasn't the right thing to do i don't have as much a problem with it and also i'm not bound by those standards like i said before we're commentators here i'm just a guy talking about shit it's out there now so it should be talked about i don't think that it's the the cnn's responsibility to not talk about the pee pee and the poo poo if you know what i mean Uh (laughs) uh-huh Anyway, that's where we stand. There's a whole bunch more going on. I have clips of Rubio taking uh, Secretary of State nominee Rex Tillerson to task about Vladimir Putin. But we're you know we're we're over we're over uh, an hour and and change here. 
So I don't want to, I don't want to belabor this. We're going to end the show. We love you guys. We appreciate you so much. Thank you for 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 sticking with us. Thank you for for listening. Thanks for supporting the show financially and just by listening. It means it means a lot to us. Sorry, sometimes I get a little worked up. Sorry, sometimes I. I feel like I'm going to be too worked up to do a show, so we're a few hours late. But uh, until next time, and there will be a next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs>